thought I'd read a little from some of the things I've been writing about. Although it's intended for a future publication, I'll read a little bit and I'll, what comes to mind I'll comment on. This is from a forthcoming book called Friends Forever. Sakirati in Uttam Bhakti. And uh, in the... Uh, there's two uh, main sections to the book. And... Uh, first section deals largely with uh, the uh, tattva of Sakirati and some history. Mm-hmm. And uh, the second section is a uh, Leela narrative of Sakirati. And uh, <clears throat> in both sections are um, there many things that would be useful to help sadhakas who idealize this type of love of God, which is one of the um, <coughs> excuse me windows of opportunity offered to us by the Gaudiya Sampradaya. But I'm now just beginning the second uh, section, and I'm um, doing that by way of a chapter about the nature of Leela, because then I'll begin the Leela narrative. So something about Leela. I've written a number of things here, but most recently um, I'm writing about a third if you will, a uh, way in which the Brajalila manifests, the first of which is referred to as the Aprakat Lila, the second the, excuse me, the Prakat Lila, and the second the Aprakat Lila. Prakat Lila means that Lila that's manifest in this world, in the Bhumandala, in Bharata, in Braj. <coughs> And um, uppercut uh, is a term that uh, is sometimes uh, contrasted with adhoksaja. Adhoksaja refers to something like beyond the Sanskrit alphabet. It's beyond speech, that uh, place from which words return, thoughts return. It's um, really a reference to something that is overtly Transcendental, which is the nature of Vaikuntha, it is said, for example, in the Gita by Krishna, that uh, there's no need for uh, for sun, moon, fire, which Prabhupada rendered electricity in my dam, my abode. Natat bhashayate suryodhishashankonapabhaka. The implication of this verse in the 15th chapter, of course, is that his abode is luminous. Luminosity, light, is often used to express the idea of knowledge. And darkness, by contrast, um, ignorance. So the idea of uh, Krishna's statement there, of course, is that the nature of his dham is that it is self-luminous. As such, it, it, there's no ignorance there. And 
Therefore, as he says, This is one of the two or three places in the Gita where he makes this statement. It is an abode from which there is no return. Having gone to ignorance, there is no return. Excuse me, having gone to knowledge, having gone and stepped into the light, there is no returning back into the cave. Plato's cave. We can draw upon the... Uh, the idea such if a man was living in a cave two men and one happened to get out and saw what this what the world out there was like and then returned in and tried to explain light and the sun which is not just this is a nice example because the sun having been seen and witnessed by a cave dweller for the first time is way beyond speech, he has nothing to compare it to in the dark. Consciousness, of which we are a spark, there's nothing to compare it to. It's not a thing, it's not a thought. And such is the nature of this world, things and thoughts, things and thoughts about them, unfortunately, for the most part. But I say it's a good analogy relative to our tradition, because um, not only would it be Difficult, if not impossible, to explain light. But to speak of everything, light means vegetation. It means mangoes, peaches. It, it, it means uh, rain. I mean, uh, how, how do you? So, knowledge. If we it's, if we compare it to light, as I say, it's a good analogy because the highest knowledge means the variegatedness of the brachlila, for example. Mm-hmm as opposed to to just light, which is uh, sometimes what uh, Brahma-sayuja, merging with Brahman, is, is compared to. So anyway, should you go outside the cave, try to come back in and explain um, uh, a difficult task. And having gone out, there's no returning to the cave unless you come to get the other guy out of there. Right? So Krishna says, going to my abode, there's no return. There's no need for sun, light, moon, and so forth. However, we know that there is a sun and there is a moon in Goloka. If there's no moon in Krishna's abode, then how can there be Rasalila? There's no poor name. There'd be no Purnamasi. So there is no need in terms of tattva, but in terms of bhava, that fuels Leela, the play of Bhagavan, in Braj, in, in Golok, then there is a need for a sun and a moon. And of course, it's stated in the Gautamiya Tantra, maybe the Briyat Gautamiya Tantra, that there in Golok, there are devas, uh, suns, moons, and so on and so forth, but they're all of a, of a transcendental uh, nature. <coughs> facilitating the Leela. Now, having said that, another broader, of course, interpretation of the verse of the Gita that I mentioned is that this is a reference to the spiritual world in general. There's no need for sunlight, moonlight, and so forth to find your way. Um, You were found. You were lost, and now you've been found. Um, But, in the broader sense, there is no need for a sun at all, or a moon at all, in one sense, in Vaikuntha. 
We don't hear of beautiful descriptions of the moonrise in Vaikuntha <laughs> or the sunset. So my point is that it's overtly transcendental. Uh, another example to help illustrate the point is, of course, that Narayan appears there with four arms. He's not Dvibhuj Krishna, two-armed, human-like, and so forth, right? So, with regard to the Paravyon, the other side, um, there are different uh, realms. And the broader realm of Vaikuntha is one, but the Mahabhaikuntha, as it's referred to in some Puranas, if you have looked closely, as the Goswamis have, unfortunately gathered such verses and put them all together, what we call, what we refer to as our own Bhakti Shastras, mm-hmm. emphasizing the very emphasis of all of the Shastras, if you will, as they uh, present themselves in a culmination in the form of Srimad Bhagavatam, Nigamakabhadurogalitampalam, Sukamukadam, Tadrabhasampitam, Pipatabhagavatam. It is the Nigamakalpatrogalitam Falam. It is the fruit and the Galitam Falam. Galitam means fallen, means means it's fallen, means it's ripe. You don't even have to climb the tree, and as a result, there's no falling down in Bhakti. You cannot fall down from Bhakti. If you offend Bhakti, and if you offend Vaishnavas, of course, then your potential to grow in bhakti may be limited. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another thing. If you go against the thing that you're actually pursuing, well, that's that, that's one thing. But otherwise, no other way to 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 to, to, to fall. So the tree, the tree, the fruit has come down, ripened, mm-hmm. um, and as such, and as this point has been emphasized and uh, supported in great measure by Jiva Goswami and his um, Sandarbhas. That point being that the Bhagavatam is the center, the hub, around which all the scriptures orbit, and in relation to which, in context, will be that will be properly understood. Hmm? Verses that seem to contradict other ones, and they're resolved by reference to the Bhagavatam. Hmm? So, uh, Strong case has been made there in Sandarva, especially at the onset in uh, Tattva Sandarva. Uh, you're probably familiar with that. So, so <clears throat> what is the Srimad Bhagavatam then in its own statement? It is Vyasa's mature contribution. Mm-hmm. Right? And, um, and what is its emphasis? Bhakti in no uncertain terms. You've written about Gyan, you've written about Karma, which are appropriate for some persons relative to their Adhikar or eligibility, and about Bhakti, but not in a way, Nard says to him, in the opening uh, first few chapters of Bhagavatam, four, five, six chapters uh, of the first canto, not in a way that that people will understand very clearly and, as I say, in no uncertain terms, the position of bhakti. Mm-hmm. So, write a book about that, mm-hmm. with that emphasis. So, following the lead of the Bhagavatam, what we find in all the Goswami's works are continuing that kind of emphasis. Mm-hmm. So, 
So they collected from all the revealed scriptures to play this point out further, emphasize the position of bhakti, which we were talking about earlier at, at, uh, at midday. So, <clears throat> uh, so anyway, so <laughs> um, what is the point? So, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, mm, so the Bhagavad would. Um, and so the emphasis on bhakti uh, in no uncertain terms and uh, at any rate so adhoksaja is a well uh, what I was saying is that, is, is that the Bhagavatam and the works of the Goswamis which take from all nana shastra vichara naikana panosa dharma samstapako lokanam hitakarano and they did it lokanam hitakarano they, they collected from all the scriptures very carefully out of the compassionate heart for the people of the world and gave them what we call the bhakti shastras where we can find which would be difficult to do on our own looking through this purana that purana this tantra that tantra this veda which we might not even obviously have the ability to enter into not knowing the language culture especially for international people outside of uh, India and so forth now even today in India they did this work Shita uh, Marsh described it as if you want to make a garland out of gems you have to drill a hole in the gems they did that and left it for us just to put the string through they are the founding Acharyas of the Sampradaya. So they're digging down and making the foundation. And from there, they're looking up. It should be that high. And there should be a flag on top of that, heralding it everywhere. And that service they've left to ongoing generations and so forth. Proud to be members of the, one of the streams of Mahaprabhu Sampradaya coming from. Bhakti Vinod, Sri Bhakti Vinod, Puribhar, So, the Goswamis found reference in the Puranas to a Mahabhaikuntha, way in which Golokas is referred to. And so they, and they have made a case that beyond the Adhoksaja plane, there is the Aprakrita. And Aprakrita, Prakrita means the mundane world. Aprakriti means the opposite. But it's a nice word because it, it, it implies it looks like the mundane world, but it's not. And because it looks like the mundane world, there needs to be a sun, as I said, there needs to be a moon, there needs to be forgetfulness, there needs to be an apparent ignorance, divine ignorance, that the Leela may proceed and so forth. So, when Krishna cites in the Gita, my abode needs no sun and moon, in general, we can say, Yes, this is this is by Kuntha. And after with further consideration, yes, true, his abode is luminous, but in Golok there's also a need from the Baba point of view. So something you have to understand when Krishna's talking from a Tatva point of view or from a Baba point of view. Otherwise you might argue there's no sun and moon in the Goloka. It says so in the Gita. And That'd be a big problem to think like that, right? So we have um, the Aprakat Leela, which is the Leela. Excuse me, the Prakat Leela. Prakat Leela means um, 
Aprakrita hmm, refers to the unmanifest Lila, Goloka. Prahuksaja, hmm, Mahabhagavata, Aprakrita. And then we have the Prakat and Aprakat. It means manifest. We're just similar but different. So the Aprakat Lila is another way of talking about it. Did I say Aprakat? Uh, uh, there's the Aprakrita and Aprakat. Aprakrita means like the Prakrita but different. Aprakat is a different word, but we use it and employ it. It means unmanifest. And Prakat means manifest. So, I've been writing about the Aprakat Lila in general, now, Aprakrita Lila in general, and it's Prakat expression evolving. Prakrita, Aprakrita is the nature of the Lila, and then it is twofold it's Prakat and Aprakat, manifest and unmanifest. So, I've been writing about the Prakat Lila, Krishna's Lila as it manifests on earth. Hmm? Which is, of course, an interesting subject because it's uh, it's a geographical, apparently a geographical area, but it's it's not. Indeed, it's a dom aparad to think that Braj is a limited geographical area, even while its 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 dimensions are described in the scripture. But those dimensions are required for Leela. but they don't actually limit it and uh, bring it within the limitations of time and space. So it's a sacred geographical um, realm, if you will. Now, that said, obviously the Prakat Leela is important to us because it's a manifestation of the Leela that we can become acquainted with, by, by which we can become acquainted with it, and it's a portal to the Aprakat Leela. Mm-hmm. So these are, which is, let's say, Goloka. Let's use that term. Now, I've been written extensively about Goloka, that manifestation of the Leela that I've referenced it, and I think I'll conclude this probably this this uh, chapter with some more details about that and, and the the details of the differences between the manifest and unmanifest Leela. But what I'm writing about now is a third type to confuse you more manifestation of the Leela, which is the fact that that um, while the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela, is important to us, in fact, it's important. It's it's almost it's it's compared uh, to a to the Archa Vigraha by Jiva Goswami. Archa Vigraha means the deity. The comparison means that within the deity manifestation of Krishna, there are mundane, there's phenomenal and non-phenomenal phenomenal elements. Hmm? There's in elements of this world and of the world beyond. I've often described the deity worship as the realm of ritual, with a certain language and procedures and so forth to enter into a different space hmm, altogether, which is a symbolic type of manifestation of Krishna, uh, taking advantage of, uh, in terms of scriptural reference and so forth, participating in which you can go beyond it. Hmm. That's the idea, of course. We're not going to forever be going home. Eat, please, you know. We're going to be tasting food at first to see if it's good, and if it's good, take it out of our mouth and put it into Krishna's. Mm. This is really good. Take this. Mm. 
If something is secondary, we'll give it to our friends. And third best, we'll keep that for ourselves. So, um, so the prakat lila, the manif- when it manifests on earth, this is a, this is a comparison. Jiva Goswami, Vishnu Chakravarti has described it to like like a sadaka deya, which is a practitioner's body. It has material ingredients and it has a spiritual influence. Of course, the perfection of it is to spiritualize those material ingredients and so forth. <clears throat> and he tells us, Chakravarti Thakur, that there are uh, metaphors to be drawn. Uh, the Leela serves as a metaphor in some respects for the sadhaka mm-hmm. to learn how to practice and so forth. So it's a very generous uh, manifestation of the Leela. And um, of course, at a certain point, um, and, and, and again, it is considered in Gaudiya Vaishnavism to be the main. Um, the penultimate uh, attainment to attain the prakat lila to take birth in the prakat lila uh, one is thought uh, therein to have the facility to fully protect fully perfect and develop their stayibhav and then be uh, um, suitable for entering the, the unmanifest lila when Krishna winds up the manifest lila so we take birth wherever the Leela is being performed in this world in any universe and then when Krishna winds up you go back as I say it's considered a portal we find evidence for this in the Bhagavatam itself we find evidence for example that the personified Vedas they took birth they wanted to become gopis when Krishna manifests his Leela they took birth in that Leela. There, they were the sadhakas who were intensifying their their, their stayibhav by good association. And at the time of the Rasa Leela, they weren't quite ready, so they were checked by their husbands. They couldn't go. And then the extra intensification of separation at that time cause their stayibhav to reach the perfectional stage. Later, we find them in also in the Leela uh, perfected in a, uh, uh, in the section where Uddhava visits Vrindavan. So, it's, uh, that's some evidence from the Bhagavatam itself that the Prakat Leela, manifest Leela on earth, is is a portal. It's, it's for sadhakas, they reach a certain stage, and then they take birth there, and from there, uh, it's something like I've given an example before. In 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 the uh, sports world here in America, you have uh, college players who, some of whom eventually become professional players, mm-hmm. and so they get uh, they have a draft. So they draft the college players uh, to join the professional team. Now they've been playing football at a pretty high level, but it's not as fast as the pros. Mm-hmm. The game moves faster, and because uh, now they're all playing with people of, of equal or or better. They were the best in their school. Now they're playing with everybody's equal or better. Mm-hmm. So the competition goes up. Right? Um, so they 
they come in, they maybe sit on the sidelines, they learn, they watch, they have a number, and sometimes it's called, and eventually they, they get up to speed, and and next thing they're in the whole thing. So, after so many years. So, um, something like that. Advanced devotees get the association. And the only way that you can really get up to speed is you got to get there, you got to associate with, with those, those professionals, you got to get some opportunity to get on the field and make a mistake and see where and so forth. And, and there's no other way to do it, practically. There is, theoretically, you could be fully qualified hmm, on day one, and maybe there's some rare ones like that, but so it is with the Prakat Lila. Hmm? For all intents and purposes, this is the emphasis from, from theologian and acharya Mishmanachakvitakur onward. Hmm? Taking references, for example, like I cited from the Bhagavatam, of how and, um, the Upanishads personified entered the Prakat Lila. Hmm? In his commentary, Vishnachakvitakur says, and there are unlimited Upanishads, so Lila after Lila, it happens. <laughs> uh, the sages of Dandakaranya are another example. I'm not sure if they're cited in the Bhagavatam, but they are in other Puranas. Sages of Dandakaranya, they were chanting the Gopal Mantra, meditating on that with a desire to serve uh, Gopijana Balabha Krishna, like Gopi. Ram came through the forest at that time, and they recognized this is appears to be who we were kind of meditating on. And Ram said, not quite. And, and incidentally, I have taken a vow, ekpatni brata, to have only one wife, but I will come again in the next yuga. And you take birth there, and then your life can be perfected. So these, this uh, sages of Dandakarni and Upanishads are examples of groups together Entering the Leela. So hold hands. You could go together. Hmm. It's possible. Hmm. Or you can go individually hmm. to the Prakali. So he's drawing on these examples. And then there are a couple other examples of the Bhagavatam that support the idea that the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela on earth of Krishna, is a portal to the Uppercut Leela. What are those examples? They're prominent examples. Hmm. First, um, uh, arises uh, when uh, Krishna and the Prajapasis they go to uh, on a pilgrimage I think to uh, uh, must have been uh, um, Ambikavan perhaps at any rate uh, Krishna was uh, father was captured by the attendants uh, the, the assistance of Varuna and Krishna Balaram had to go and save him and at that time Rune offered prayers to Krishna, saying, you are Bhagavan, you are Paramatma, you are Brahman, echoing uh, a very important uh, verse from of Tattva earlier on in the Bhagavatam. Varanti tattva vidas tattvam yad jnana madvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti shabdite. So witnessing all this, Nanda Maharaj came back and, and shared his experience and all the Brajabhasis thought maybe Krishna could, you know, he's he's very extraordinary. Vishnu works through him. Maybe he can tell us 
what our next life will be, which everybody wants to know. So Krishna said, yes. And they were wondering about the very nature of transcendence, not knowing that they themselves were the essence of that, such as the nature of the Leela and the Bhav. So Krishna took them to um, to the Akruragat, which is called the Brahmaranda, Lake of Brahman. And there he had them take bath, and there he, he showed them Goloka, the Deva Leela, the Aprakat, Aprakat, the unmanifest Leela. And so he showed them that this is the highest realm, and that's where you're, you're, you're from for the moment he showed them. Similarly, that that same place, when Krishna was leaving from Vrindavan on the chariot of Akrura to go to kill Kamsa, to wrestle with Kamsa, he, Krishna, and Balaram asked her to stop, stop the chariot for a moment at this god. That's why it's called Akrura god. And then they went and bathed there. And Akrura went and looked when they were bathing, and then what did he see? He saw Vishnu riding on Anantasesh, Krishna and Balaram. And then he saw Golok, uppercut Lele. So, uh, so it's a special place. And within Braj, this Akura God is is a special portal. Mm-hmm. The, 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 uh, portal within the portal. So there's evidence. My point is from the Bhagavatam that the Prakat Lila is a portal to the uppercut Lele. The manifest Lele is a portal to the unmanifest Lele. So. Drawing on that, Vishwanachakritakura has theologized that you really have to go take birth in the Prakat Leela, upper, the Prakat Leela, to intensify your, your Stayibhav. He says that there are aspects of the Stayibhav beyond um, Prem, Sneha, Pranay, Man, Rag, Anurag, Bhav, Mahabhav. These are all developments of the Stayibhav. And these developments will be relative to whether you're in Sakiras or Madhuriras or Basaliras. They'll be slightly different. Hmm? Combination of so these developments it's practically impossible to develop without taking birth in the association of the Nichasiddhas, associates of Krishna and so forth. Again, my analogy from the sports um, world is uh, maybe helpful to understand the point. But and this has a long introduction is where we're getting to tonight. But it's there's evidence that it's not absolutely the case. So there may be some special special cases. And um, looks like we've been talking for about an hour already. So uh, so um, that's what I've been writing about. So I've said here. Let's see. Um, However, all that said, however, there are examples to the contrary, that one does not have to enter the Prakat Leela to attain the unmanifest Leela. Gopukumar, the protagonist of Brihat Bhagavatamrita's second canto, enters the Aprakat Leela 
not from the Prakat Leela, but rather from Braj on earth at a time when the Prakat Leela is not taking place in that particular universe. Residing in earthly Braj, chanting Krishna's Nam and remembering Krishna Leela and experiencing it there in Braj, he finds himself transported directly to the Aprakat Leela. This then brings us to another form of the Brajalila, other than its Prakat expression on earth and its Aprakat expression in Golok. After the Prakat Leela enfolds into the Aprakat Leela or manifests in another universe, the Brajalila also remains invisibly present on this planet in Brajbhumi, yet visible to advanced devotees residing there. This expression of the Leela is mentioned in Srimad Bhagavatam, where Nard Rishi explains to Dhruva that Krishna lives eternally in earthly Braj and thus advises him to go there in terms of his spiritual pursuit. Sanidyam Nityadahare from the fourth canon. Sukumuni also informs Raj Parikshit that Krishna is eternally present in the earthly representation of Braj, Nityam Sanhito Hari. Similarly, the Adi, Vayu, Padma, and Braha Puranas, unidentified verses from which Rupa Goswami cites in his Mathura Mahatmya, some of which Jiva Goswami also cites in Krishna Sandarbha, also inform us about this form of the Brajalila. The following example of such verses attributed to the Varaha Purana and cited by Rupa Goswami in his Mathura Mahatmya are particularly compelling. Shall I read them? O Vasundara, listen, and I will tell you, this is Krishna speaking, about a, a wonderful place where people who are devoted to serving me attain perfection. On the northern side of that place, Brahmakund, there is an Ashok tree made of white light that bursts into bloom at noon on the twelfth day of the bright fortnight in the month of Vishaka, bringing joy to my bhaktas. No one other than pure, pure Bhagavata can perceive this. The Harada, means lake, of Kaliya is sacred. Hid, is a sacred, hidden, transcendent pool in the pure waters of the Jamuna, where I engage eternally in play. The wise see a great wonder there. A huge Kadamba tree on the eastern side of Kaliharada. This tree, which is beautiful, luminous, and cooling, has 100 branches, blooms with fragrant flowers 12 months a year, and shines forth in 10 directions. This hidden transcendental place of mine, called Govardhan, is only a short distance west of Batura, about eight kroshas. Those with sublime consciousness see a great wonder there. A phenomenon occurs in that place that is cherished by all Bhagavatas. Twenty-four times a year, on the twelfth day of each fortnight, they see huge lights on top of the mountain, illuminating the ten directions. If a person who is devoted to serving me sees those lights, 
he or she attains a supreme state of perfection. Of this there is no doubt. Brajdham ki jaya. So these are some verses. There are others from the Puranas that speak about the fact that the Leela is eternally going on in Braj, invisible to the naked eye, but it shows itself to special devotees at different times. And we also find a prominent example of this form of the Braj Leela in the life story of Gopakumar, also known as Sarupa, and also that of his disciple, Janasharma. These two, the perfected Sarup, returning to earth after attaining the Aprakat Leela, and his disciple, Janasharma, who has not yet entered the Aprakat Leela, both experienced Krishna Leela, manifesting to their devotional eyes while residing in Braj on earth, their experience thrilling to the ears and hearts of Sakirati Pasakas. read this, we'll go with this. Blessed by his guru, Sarup, and like him, the Mathura Brahman drowned in a russic ocean of the highest frame. Like Sarup's body, his body also displayed many symptoms of that love. He cried out to Kishore Shekhar Krishna, Oh, Krishna, Krishna, please show yourself. Placing a blade of grass between his teeth, he bade, bowed down and cried out, to Sarupa and all the moving and non-moving beings in transcendental sorrow. Where is Krishna? Have you seen him here? Singing in Namsan Kirtan, the mind enchanting names of Krishna, he clutched Sarupa's feet. Seeing that his guru, upon witnessing his condition, had drowned in an ocean of prame and was beside himself, he wept, rising up and compelled by an upsurge of prame. He began wandering in the forest where he fainted and fell into a grove of karira trees. Then, suddenly, from a distance, he heard a concert consisting of the sweet sounds of flutes, horns, venas made from gourds, and whistles made from leaves, all mixed together with the mooing of cows. Awakened from their swoon, both Sarupa and the Brahman ran following these sweet sounds and then they saw him Gopal Dev his black his body black and beautiful encircled by an aura of brilliant effulgence he whose Leela knows no limits had come nearby to water his cows and sport with his friends within the waters of the daughter of the sun Sri Jamuna Devi as he approached he danced with a playful gait worthy of the king of elephants his principal ornament, his own adolescence. Standing in his charming threefold bending pose, Tribunga Lalitam. At times he played various entertaining melodies on his flute, making his friends laugh. And as he walked, his footprints decorated the earth in all directions. Surrounding him on all sides were dear Sakas, whose appearance resembled his own, and he stood together with his elder brother Ram, of white complexion, whose body was bedecked with blue silk garments and very attractive. Ram's age and dress, just like his own. Burdened by the heavy weight of joy in intimacy arising out of Krishna's darshan, his two devotees fell suddenly, hurling themselves to the ground as if to offer Dandabhat Pranam. Then, 
Gopal Krishna, driven by love for his dear devotees, ran toward them, and embracing them with his long, strong arms, he fainted and fell on top of them. Imagine that great master, his heart melting with compassion, bathed in a shower of his tears and praying. Suddenly, standing, he then lifted the two devotees with both hands and steadied them, wiping their tears and the dust from their bodies with his own hands. Merciful Gopal Dev embraced them both again and again in an effort to please the Brahmin. Krishna said, Shijana Sharma, blessed Brahman, Aryan, who hails from Mathura. You are the moon arising from the ocean of the Viprabhamsa, and as such, your body, your, your good qualities have in turn caused the ocean of the Brahminical stature to rise, just as the moon causes the ocean's tide to rise. What can I do to put you at ease in all respects? It is only by your influence that my family is well. By your mercy, my heart is attracted to you, and thus I have forever looked toward the path by which you would eventually come. By good fortune, you have absorbed your mind and thoughts of me, and by that same good fortune I have seen you now after so long. Dear Brahman, I am yours. Do as you like here. Then Krishna, distressed that he had nothing better than himself to give his devotee, removed his own ornaments and placed them on Janasharma, something he had never done before, granting him the swarup of a coward boy, similar to that of his guru, by which Janasharma felt that he had attained perfection. Chigupal Dev ki